0: This is the Create Yourself podcast. What is going on everybody? Welcome back to the Create Yourself podcast. Today I am flying solo on this podcast and I am bringing tons of knowledge bombs. So uh, this podcast came from a bunch of questions that I've gotten through Instagram and emails with my clients. Uh, I tend to write those questions down because a lot of times people have similar questions or are wondering similar things. So Today I jumped into nutrient timing, intra-workout nutrition, intermittent fasting, macros over intuitive eating, Uh, and then recently today I posted this, uh, I called it the all-inclusive guide to supplements, and um, within the first 20 minutes of putting this thing up, I got a lot of follow-up questions and people wanting uh, more information on the topic. So um, with all those things considered, I figured I would throw it into the podcast today, so we we jumped a little bit further into supplementing. Um, during the show today also. Now, before we jump into it, I want you to do me a favor. Please take a screenshot of of this podcast on your phone, post it in your Instagram story, tag me in it. I am at the CF7C coach. Um, I want to see who I'm reaching, who's getting benefit from this, uh, who's receiving value from the information that I put out. And then uh, also I want you to go on to iTunes, please give me a five-star rating and review. I want to know um, what you guys think about it, any feedback that you have, um, guests that you want to have on, you name it. Just want to know how uh, I am doing with this podcast. Now, um, enough of me me rambling on about how I want you to give me uh, ratings and reviews. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Hey, welcome back. So today I am flying solo. Uh, I was rec- supposed to record a podcast with a uh, an amazing guest today, but um, a couple things happened. He's a, a dad, busy guy also, uh, so wasn't able to make it on today. So I'm going to jump into uh, a little something by myself today. I've got a bunch of different topics that we're going to discuss today. We're going to talk about nut- nutrient timing, intra-workout nutrition, intermittent fasting, uh, macros over intuitive eating, and then we're going to jump a little bit into supplementation. I uh, wrote a blog today that I've I literally just posted it uh, probably 30 minutes ago and I've already got a couple emails on it. So people were very intrigued uh, by it. So I'm gonna jump into a couple of pieces that I've gotten some questions on already just this morning. Um, so first thing we're gonna jump into is nutrient timing. So this, based, this was based off of a conversation that I had with a client the other day. They were asking me, you know, uh, you know I just put them onto a particular macro setting. Um, and 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 this person asked, like, you know, when are we gonna jump into nutrient timing? Is that something that I need to worry about right now? And the uh, basically what came out of that conversation was uh the first place I wanted to start with him um was just him getting comfortable with the setting that I had him on. So uh at the end of the day, the amount of calories that you consume, whether it's, you know, you're trying to push performance and muscle gain or you're trying to make fat loss, the important thing to consider that is uh Uh, level one or the primary thing to focus on is just simply how much food that you're getting in and then your macronutrient balance. So with most clients, I won't even jump into nutrient timing with them as a protocol until we've laid that base first. They're hitting their macros consistently. They're able to uh, get within you know plus or minus 10 grams of their proteins, fats, and carbs every day. They're getting in adequate veggies. Um, They're hydrating correctly. Once they're doing all of those things, then maybe we can jump into nutrient timing because it's just one of those pieces of the puzzle that isn't as important as other things that you could do with your diet. I mean, just making sure alone that you're getting in the proteins and carbs that you need um, are gonna help with your performance, gonna help to replenish that muscle glycogen. The protein is gonna help to heal those muscle fibers that you're destroying during your workouts. Um, and, And there's very... There's shoddy research at best that even says that um, nutrient timing is something that is super beneficial. So at the end of the day, nutrient timing is, how can I say this? It's a piece of the puzzle that we can add in later on after we've got everything um, dialed in. So from there, um, we would essentially add in nutrient timing after that base layer is laid, right, my my clients are. Um, hitting their macros or doing their calories consistently, then we would go into nutrient timing. So for those of you who don't know, nutrient timing is essentially planning your macros or your calories um, around your day, or more specifically, your training that day. So it, it, I hope I'm not beating a, a dead horse here, but uh, it is important to have adequate carbohydrates and proteins around your training, specifically to push performance, right? When you work out, you deplete the glycogen in your muscles, um, you're asking your muscles to contract a lot, which can cause little micro tears in the muscle fiber. So when we start planning our nutrition around that and we time um, the densest part of our day with proteins and carbs around that, there is there's possibly, I'm not going to say that without a shadow of a doubt there's um, going to be some benefit, but there is some research that shows that that is beneficial, which is why we would even use it as a protocol in the first place. So What we could do is take a look at the overarching part of our day and we could take, shoot, we could probably take as much as uh, a third of our carbs and our proteins and we can plan them around our training. So uh, what I love to do with people depending, and this is all dependent on um, what their macronutrient setting is in the first place. What I like to do with them is take a look at their carb intake for the whole day. And maybe, you know, let's say, they're having, you know, they have 150 grams of carbohydrates in that day. I'd probably take as much as 60 to 65 of those carbohydrates, and I would plan them around their training. So maybe do, you know, 10 to 15 before they train, and then finish up with the remainder after they train. Uh, and then on top of that, I'll add in as much, you know, depending on how much protein they have. We can go anywhere between like 20 and 20 and 40 grams of protein. Um, again, all dependent on what your setting is we can go as much as 20 to 40 grams of protein and then maybe mix that with uh, your carb shake, I don't, you know, whether you're using something like a Gatorade powder or uh, some other form of fast, uh, fast-digesting carbohydrate or maybe you're using um, like a highly-branched um, cyclic dextrin, like whatever, whatever method of carbohydrate source you're using, we can time that and we can maybe mix those things together and we can either drink a little bit before your training and then the rest of it after, or you can sip on it throughout your entire training. And what I'll do is that depending on the time that person trains that day, if you train in the morning, maybe I'll add that intra-workout shake in the morning with your training, Um, and maybe depending on how early you train, you can either do it fasted or you could do uh, a breakfast, go to the gym, have your intra-workout shake, and then have some carbs after. But essentially, uh, at, at the end of the day, before I get too deep in the weeds on this, Nutrient timing is, is, in my opinion, how you would plan your day around your training or your lifestyle. Um, And then obviously, if you train in the morning, you want the majority of your uh, carbs to be consumed in the morning. If you train in the evening, you can save some around that time. Um, And then again, don't worry so much about, like if I go to bed and I've had a bunch of carbs and proteins, um, at the end of the day, calories in, calories out uh, in that 24 hour period is, uh, in my my opinion, um, what is important there. So, we dove a little bit into the intra-workout nutrition during that time too. Um, again, this is intra-workout nutrition, in my in my opinion is going to be a performance-based thing, something that you would implement if you're really, really, really trying to push your strength or your performance or how you're doing in your workouts. Um, for 99% of the population that I work with, I'm not even going to implement that protocol with them, just because uh, unless you're competing for a specific thing, it's just something you. Uh, I would rather you not have to drink or consume your um, uh, carbohydrates during your workout when I can get them to you in meals later, especially if you're just trying to look good and feel well and have a good bill of health. You should be good to go without doing that. So I actually just had a conversation um, about this next topic, which is intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting is like the new cool thing right now. Everybody wants to do intermittent fasting. there's all these different gurus out there the, that are just pushing that this is like the end-all-be-all all way to lose body fat. Um, and and, and they're, they're pushing, obviously, this biased opinion towards people. <clears throat> so I'm going to leave it or go at it from this direction. Intermittent fasting should be used primarily as a like a lifestyle factor type thing. Now what I mean by that is that if you have like a busy life in the morning, you're running around, you're taking your kids everywhere, you're doing this, you're doing that, um, I think intermittent fasting is a protocol that you could use for that because you literally don't have the time to eat the breakfast in the morning, right? So that is a protocol that you can use uh, to implement if you have a lifestyle uh, element that makes it difficult to eat breakfast in the morning. Some would say like, you know, I'm not really hungry in the morning because um, or, or I don't really feel hungry in the morning, that's why I do intermittent fasting. And, and, and I would make the argument that you're not hungry in the morning because you probably don't consume enough food, you could have uh, you know, a very slow metabolism through not consuming a lot of food, and then you've essentially taught your body not to eat in the morning, so it's not hungry. But if you have a, a healthy functioning metabolism, you're gonna be very hungry in the morning, and that intermittent fast is gonna be pretty difficult to do. There, you know, some would say that intermittent fasting is like this thing that uh, gives you all these health benefits, like um, insulin sensitivity, uh, your sensitivity to glucose, or uh, insulin sensitivity, um, hormone spikes, all these different things. But um, I would have you consider that um, a lot of the research on intermittent fasting um, supports, uh, you know, more along the lines of like a 24-hour fast instead of like an 8 or a 16. For instance, I had a conversation earlier today with a person that um, was looking just to do a, a quick you know, a quick body fat cut um, because they, they had gained some weight and they were looking to, to implement an intermittent fast to do that. Um, and you know, the, the question that sh- this person asked me was loaded with a bunch of other things too, and at the end of the day, uh, what I said to this person was that if, you know, if you're trying to lose body fat, there are a thousand other things we can implement besides an intermittent fast. Um, if you're using an intermittent fast for losing body fat, um, the only reason that it would work in the first place, right, because it's not going to work well if you do, you know, let's say you're eating a 2,000 calorie diet and um, after your eight hour fast and, you know, the remaining 16 hours a day, you go ahead and you consume that 2,000 calories. You're actually not, you're not using the intermittent fast for what, for how that can work, like if you're going to fast in the morning and not eat breakfast, but yet you essentially eat the amount that you would have for breakfast and lunch and dinner and the rest of the remainder of the day, um, that you're you're going to run into this this uh, wall of not losing body fat because you're still consuming the same thing. Um, because no matter what anybody says, the amount of calories that you consume are important. And if you are consuming, you know, a maintenance or you're consuming um, too many calories, you're not gonna lose the body fat that you're looking for and the intermittent fasting's not gonna work um, the way that you uh, would be hoping it would. And, and, you know, and, I, and I would have this argument with somebody if they were to say, like, I used intermittent fasting and I lost body fat from it and this, that, and the other. Um, but it, you know, I would venture to say that if we track their calories, they're probably eating the right amount, not too much, not too little, and that intermittent fast is just simply putting them into a calorie deficit. Um, so that, that's the quick and skinny on intermittent fasting. It's not something that I would wanna jump too much in the weeds with, um, especially because it's just a better way. If you, if you wanna use a fasting protocol for the health benefits and all the things that go with that, the more important thing to consider is maybe implementing like a 24-hour fast once a week Or or maybe even once every other week. I've seen some people that'll do a 48 hour fast every month, and that can be a good thing too. But uh, the fast, the duration of the fast is what's most important Um, instead of looking at intermittent fasting as like that secret, end all be all way to lose body fat. Um, Now, so we're gonna move on. This is another question I got. Off the IGs uh, here a few weeks ago, and I made sure to write it down because this is a common question that I get, um, especially with new clients that come on board. And the first thing they say to me is, "You're not going to make me track macros, are you?" Um, because there's this new emergence of these intuitive eaters. So an intuitive eater is essentially you listen to your body, you eat when you feel hungry, um, you consume what you feel like you need to consume, and you don't really have to pay much attention to how much or or Um, the the quantity or or whatever you want to call it. Now, I would make the argument, so I use macros for this reason. Number one, it is a constant variable that if the the client consumes the amount of food or macronutrients that I'm asking them to, right, your proteins, your fats, and your carbs, um, that will ensure that they are eating the amount of calories that I want to see them eat. Now, you... As a coach, I can manipulate that macronutrient variable to get the outcome with the person's body that uh, they say they want. Now, what macros also does on the, on the, uh, uh, that you don't really pay attention to is it starts to teach you the composition of foods, right? Like you start to know um, what you know, six ounces of protein looks like, um, what a cup of broccoli looks like, then essentially what, you know, 50, or what 50 carbs of uh, rice looks like. So you, you start to get to see what all of these different amounts of foods look like, and you learn that from tracking the macronutrients. Now, if you never track macronutrients and you just solely try to eat intuitively, what I've seen across the board is that um, you've got some camps that'll say like, people eat way too much, people underestimate, or underestimate the amount of food that they're consuming every day. What I see anecdotally is the exact opposite. Uh, for instance, I you know I, I've trained some guys that are are you know pushing 300 pounds, and when I take a look at their diet, um, and I ask them to track for three to four days because it's the first place that I'm gonna start with every client. It's like, look, you're gonna you're gonna track everything you eat for the next couple of days. I need to see where you're at, et cetera. And what I see with that is that people are not eating enough food. Right? Again, 300 pound guy consuming. <laughs> You know, I, I had a three hundred pound guy that was consuming less than two thousand calories, and then you know here I am. My my um, my wife is consuming much more than that, and, and you know she is uh, you know tall, lean, muscular lady, and she um, is consuming more food than this you know pretty strong guy, and uh, it, he wouldn't be able, like he's gonna now learn how much food he is eating. Uh, or how little food he is eating through tracking macros with me because he, he is learning portion sizes. He's learning what the amount of food that he needs to eat looks like. And then he can not only learn that, but he can learn uh, how it feels when he eats that much food. Because um, a lot of times people don't know they're not eating enough, again, because their metabolism is really slow, um, or because they're used to the, maybe this empty stomach feeling, not knowing that they can eat enough food um, and then teach their body to be able to handle that. Um, and then what it feels like to have the adequate nutrition that you need. Um, And then without tracking the macros, you just can't use that. So um, we can get into intuitive eating, like I'll use intuitive eating with a client further down the road if they get comfortable tracking macros and doing it well. It's like if you have a very specific outcome, right, you're trying to put on five pounds of muscle, then a couple things need to happen. I need to make sure your carbohydrates are high enough I need to make sure your protein intake is high enough, and I need to make sure that your calorie intake is high enough. The only exact way to know that I have that outcome or that I have that variable happening is to track your food. If you don't track, then we'll never know. Um, and then we'll just be, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, three, four months down the road and then wonder why the weight that we were trying to gain didn't happen. And then we would just chalk it up to, you know, maybe I wasn't, um, eating enough, where well, there's no maybe if you track consistently and you eat the numbers that we wanted you to eat, right? There's no, there's no maybe involved. It's purely, okay, you've been eating this much, we need you to eat this much to achieve this result, or if we have you eating this much and you're not gaining the weight that we wanted to or the muscle that we wanted to, then I can just simply increase slightly and keep working on that. And then the, obviously on the, on the inverse side of that, if you're trying to lose body fat, if you're tracking adequately, or, or consistently and um, precise enough, and then we decrease your food intake and you don't lose weight, it's an, it, at the end of the day, it's just an easier variable for us to manipulate back and forth. So maybe if you have the body composition that you want, and you're comfortable where you are, uh, and, and you. you you like how you're feeling and what you're doing, and you've been tracking macros consistently for a long period of time, maybe then, and only then, um, could we go into a more intuitive eating style of uh, diet protocol. But at the end of the day, um, I don't know that, uh, like the exact question was, um, you know, are macros better than intuitive eating? And I wouldn't say that macros are better, I just think they go they go together, they function together, and. You can get to intuitive eating once you've been tracking for a long period of time, um, but if again, if you don't know portion sizes, what are we doing? We can't, we can't manipulate any variables, and then it, you know, then you go and wonder why your your body composition isn't changing uh, the way that you wanted to. Um, but it, again, we would just chalk it up to maybes instead of exact um, variables if we weren't tracking our food consistently. Um, so especially if you hire me to be your coach, yes, I'm going to make you track macros. Yes, this this a lot of coaches use this cool, you know, if it fits your macros type model, this, that, and the other. But um, it's not that for me as a coach, macros are this cool thing. It's just something that I can use to manipulate variables to make sure that I get you what you want. Because um, at the end of the day, that's what it's ultimately about. And then once we do that, we can switch you out. <clears throat> so um, we're gonna move on here. So the next thing um, that I wanted to talk about today um, on this podcast was uh, supplementing. So I wrote this supplement today, or supplement. Um, I wrote this blog today about supplements and I, I went pretty in depth with it. It took me like two or three hours to get it out. Um, this is another hot topic that I get a lot, both with my in-person clients at my gym um, and a lot with my remote coaching clients. Um, because I think we all get led astray through like clever marketing and, and, and Um, clever advertisements and this, this, that, and the other, but um, it's important to know that um, a lot of supplements are just pure garbage. They're pure trash and they do not deliver on the result that you're hoping for. Um, Just because um, a lot of them aren't widely researched and then uh, the the ones that are researched are uh, fueled and paid for by the companies that made that product. Um, and that's something that a lot of times is left out. And, and when I, what I've really learned in the past couple of years through reading a lot of these research articles um, is always taking a look at <clears throat> the test group, who's funding the experiment, like what the type of person is that training. Because sometimes you know, for instance, they'll use a, a, a new supplement that comes out, and they'll they'll use a bunch of new um, new people to fitness, and then they'll give them this supplement, and then the new people to fitness will get a great result. Um, but the, 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 the thing you, that you need to consider is that that person isn't necessarily getting that extreme result from um, that new amino acid um, supplement. They're getting uh, amazing results from just doing training for the first time. So it's just different variables like that. And I could probably go on like 10 different variables that we should pay attention to, but um, uh, that's one main thing to consider. But um, if you are gonna use supplements, there are some that in my opinion, can work really, really well. And there are some, in my opinion, that don't work as well and don't have as much uh, as much science to back them up, per se. Um, so uh, again, remember this, supplements are substances that we ingest to provide nutrients in our body um, that we don't receive every, in our everyday diet. Um, we ingest them because the levels that we have of any particular nutrient may be too low, or we ingest these supplements because we want the supplement to give us higher levels of this nutrient to achieve an outcome that we want. And, and um, so Eric Helms, he's a, a research guy um, in the fitness and strength industry, and um, he has this thing called the the nutrition pyramid. Um, and guess what's at the very top of the pyramid? Supplements, because they are of least importance, because if your, your calories are right, your sleep, your recoveries are right, um, your macronutrient balance is right, then the supplements will be the last thing that you can add in to get a small benefit from. Um, So if a lot of your, you know, if you're eating a diet that is low in, uh, you know, nutrient, vitamin, and mineral levels at best, then that might be the first place you start before looking to supplement. Um, Because you can actually get a lot more benefits from just having a well-balanced diet that is varied and colorful, then going and then adding in a bunch of different supplements um, but it, it, it's just un, it, it's important to consider that the supplement is something that you're supplementing your life with um, and that most of it comes through um, most of your nutrients and such need to come from your food in the first place now there are a few supplements that like i'll openly endorse and again like i'm not a registered dietitian i'm not a nutritionist um, I am just, uh, I have some different certifications and um, I just believe in, in, in um, putting out education and putting my stamp on things that I believe are supported by evidence and research. Um, I'm not one that's gonna just sit here and, and give you bro science or just some, uh, you know, I read some cool blog. Um, for this blog, I went way into the weeds with reading and research. Um, I finished a couple books in the past uh, year that I really wanted to um, add into this and I was able to put it together, but. Um, uh, at the top of my list of uh, supplements that you know I believe have some value, um, and, and if you don't know this by now, it's just an essential supplement, whey protein. So whey protein is widely researched to be an effective supplement um, in your routine only if you're not getting it from your everyday food or if you're looking to supplement uh, around your workouts. And the reason why you would wanna ingest whey protein around your workouts Uh, is simply because it's in liquid form already. You can digest it a little bit faster, which means it can get into your bloodstream and into your body um, and then disperse throughout your body a little quicker um, than if it, it, obviously, if you consumed it and your your body had to break down that solid form of it. So the reason why you would want to consume whey-based protein over like a vegan or um, anything else is just simply the amino acid profile. Um, Animal amino acids are gonna be the best for helping us to recover. Um, and to rebuild those muscle fibers in our body um and, and i mean at the end of the day whey protein in my opinion is probably the only thing you would want to consume around a workout especially if um you know you don't have a particular uh, diet set around being a vegetarian or a vegan but um at the end of the day whey protein um is probably in my opinion the number one supplement that is um backed by science and evidence than uh, a lot of the other ones out there um and then, obviously, like I, I wrote in the blog, that I wasn't gonna jump in too much of the different types of whey-based protein. But being we're on the podcast here, I'll jump into a couple of different variants. So um, I actually used to work for uh, Progenics, which is a, um, a supplement company, and um, what I learned working from them was a working for them was a cool uh, a bunch of cool different things, and I really started to learn that uh, with them, especially that. Um, all protein supplements are not created equal um, and through working from them working with them I, I, it led me to reading and learning more obviously so um, if we're talking about different blends of whey based proteins there's essentially what you got to concentrate and isolate um, and then a hydrolysis <clears throat> now what can be tricky about this is that when you look on the back of a protein powder canister and maybe the front label says isolate um, there are different loopholes that companies can jump through and label their products shoddy. We'll just say shoddy. They can label their products in, in a shoddy manner because maybe they have what the you know FDA requires them to have to call their supplement that. Uh, and an example of that is, um, you know, I looked at in a whey isolate at the store the other day, and it was like, whey isolate protein. And then I looked in the ingredients list and the first thing on an ingredients list is what is the heaviest weight in the product. And the first thing in the ingredient list wasn't whey isolate, it was whey concentrate. Now let, let me tell you why that's a big deal, is that whey concentrate is like the cheapest, lowest grade of whey-based protein that you can consume. Whey protein in general is good to consume, but if we're talking about different levels of that, concentrate is like the bottom, That's um, the, the cheapest form of whey powder that these companies can get to make their supplement. Um, usually is loaded with fats and carbohydrates um, because it is the bottom. Now the next step up from that is an isolate. So when you hear that word isolate or isolate, <clears throat> I want you to consider when you hear the word isolate that means that that protein molecule for the most part has been isolated away from the protein or away from the carbohydrate and the fat um, molecules in that supplement, with the thought of less digest or faster digestion, which means faster recovery in theory. Um, so when you hear something like a whey isolate labeling it itself as such, and then you look at the back of the canister and it says concentrate first, that means that they can charge isolate prices with concentrate contents. Now. <laughs> That if you're listening to this in your car, and you don't punch your dashboard and get pissed, um, then I'm here, to, I'm here to tell you, go home and look at your supplement. If you see that, um, then you've been cleverly tricked by these companies. Now, so we've got our concentrate. The next level up from that was the isolate, like I said, and at the very top is the hydrolysate. So a hydrolysate, what they essentially do is they take the protein molecule and they break it into di and tripeptide bonds, just the smallest bonds that they can make, um, and then they put it into this whey base or, or into these supplements. Now what that means to you is that a hydrolysate digests extremely fast. I mean, usually you can simply tell, um, for instance, if you take uh, a whey protein powder and you put it in a shaker, and then you take an isolate and you put it in a shaker, and you put a hydrolysate and you put it in a shaker, and then you take a sip from all three, you're gonna find that the um is the thinnest, it, is, uh, it doesn't have clumps in it, it's gonna taste very, th- or it's just gonna have a very uh, thin taste to it, um, which means that obviously when you consume it, it digests really, really fast in theory. The isolate obviously is gonna be a little thicker than that, and then the concentrate's probably gonna have clumps. Um, it's probably gonna be uh, a little thicker uh, texture or density when you drink it. So just simply looking at the density of it in the shaker, um, you're able to tell the the. Type of protein that it is. And then that's another one too. If you, you know, I, I've looked at a product here recently. Um, you know, companies send stuff to the gym all the time for me um, to, to sell and wholesale inside of my gym. And um, I looked at this product's nutrition label and it was labeling itself as a hydrolysate. And then I go and look at the label and it said um, concentrate or uh, whey concentrate, comma, whey isolate, comma, hydrolysate, comma. That means that not only was it not even the first two heaviest contents in that supplement, but it was the third? Um, and, and, you know, obviously that uh, I threw right in the garbage and I never reached out to that rep, to that rep again that was contacting me just because, um, you know, I could probably go and get mad, but a lot of people aren't as informed as I am. So when they come and um, try to sell me something, I just, for the sake of my, my clients and my community, I cut through the garbage uh, really fast. Um, And it was also reassuring, if we can circle back, like I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, affiliated with uh, Progenics anymore, I don't even sell them at my gym anymore, Um, but I will tell you that the first ingredient on their content list of their supplements, um, especially their recovery supplement, was uh, hydrolysis, which was cool to know that I didn't sell my soul, Um, and I was actually working for a company that um, (laughs) was, uh, we'll say, was good at best. Um, Now, Moving on from the whey protein conversation, let's talk about multivitamins. So multivitamins are the next thing that I would say are an evidence-based supplement. Um, multivitamins are good because a lot of people are gonna be low in like, calcium, magnesium, zinc, um, and even iron, um, especially women. So it's important to consider that if you don't get a lot of this from your everyday diet, um, you can get it synthetically from multivitamin, but Again, we're not trying to replace food. Let's look at food first. Let's look where we can get more magnesium and zinc and iron and calcium from first in our daily diet um, instead of just taking a multivitamin and getting it synthetically. Is the synthetic version better than not having it at all? Absolutely, but um, always have you consider that um, this isn't, supplements are meant to supplement, it's not meant to take precedent. So um, don't think you can go eat junk and then just have a multivitamin um, and, and, you know, For my vegans and my vegetarians out there, it's important that you're, in, you're for sure on the multivitamin because um, without the presence of animal um, animal meat in your diet, zinc and iron is just gonna be something you're gonna be low on. Um, and I think at this point a lot of uh, vegans and vegetarians are very aware of that and they do the things they need to do. Okay, so uh, moving on from there, let's talk about fish oil. So fish oils essentially provide the uh, essential fatty acids that we don't get in our diet. Um, There's tons of positive benefits that come with uh, consuming fish oil. Um, Fish oil helps with depression, risk of cardiac disease, decreases blood pressure, um, and then in general, it just reduces inflammation in your body. Um, And what's really cool about fish oil supplementation, um, for instance, I used it a lot when I used to do a lot of competitive exercising and a lot of weightlifting, And I found that when I would take enough fish oil that my joints, my elbows, my shoulders, everything just felt a lot better. Um, And then when I would actually run out of fish oil, um, I would find that I would get, uh, that those aches and pains would come back. And conventional wisdom is that glucosamine is a better supplement for your joint health, but um, I make the argument now to a lot of my clients that um, just fish oil alone can help reduce some of that inflammation. I've even uh, had a couple instances where I've had somebody take fish oil and they said they got a lot of chronic headaches. Um, and that some of that went down also. So I'm not sure if that's linked to any particular thing, but that's just something I wanted to note um, anecdotally that I've seen through working with clients. Um, now, a cool test that I learned from uh, my coach with this is that when you're looking to get fish oil that is of good quality, because a lot of them have been treated for uh, being rancid, um, you're essentially going to pay for uh, like you're going to pay for quality with a fish oil supplement. Um, you know, a lot of them uh push this like krill oil. Like take krill oil, it's a better source than just normal fish oil. But um I just think at the end of the day a cool test to do is take your fish oil, put it in the freezer. If you pull it out of the freezer in, you know, about an hour or so and it's really, really, really cloudy, then it's got a lot of crap in it. Um and, and um I actually found one here recently and you can um always shoot me an email at Cody at Cross at Seven Cities if you wanna know what that is, but um, I found official recently, and I did that test with the uh, just the off-brand that I was buying before, um, and the the brand that was significantly more expensive wasn't um, cloudy. Was all was completely clear when I pulled it out, um, and that just shows that it is a um, uh, it is a very high quality, um, and I don't have to worry about my body processing all the crap out before I get it. So remember, um, go ahead and spend the extra dollar on official. Don't try to cut corners with that if you are going to supplement with it. Uh, I just think, generally speaking, you should supplement 100% with fish oil. Now, I live in Washington, so this next supplement is a big deal. Um, When I moved here from Virginia um, a few years back, and uh, what I found after a couple months of living here was that um, I just started to feel real run down and fatigued. Now, you can couple that with me starting a business at the same time, but um, something that I changed immediately that made a huge difference for me with my energy levels, especially being a dad and a, and a husband um, and then trying to get a business off the ground was uh, supplementing with uh, vitamin D3. So if you don't live in a sunny environment you live in a place like Washington or somewhere or maybe you just work in an office and you don't get out a lot, um, it's important for you to supplement with this because it, for the most part, vitamin D is synthesized through your skin um, through exposure to the sun. So if you're not exposed to the sun all the time, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Um, with getting that vitamin D in. And then there's something that a lot of people do that do live in uh, cloudy or we'll say low sun environments is that they'll go and the first sign of sun, they'll go and uh, throw sunglasses on. And then not only is D3 uh, or vitamin D synthesized, synthesized through your skin, but it comes in a lot through your eyes. So if you go and you throw sun shades on the top of that, you're just blocking out your best way to consume that vitamin D from the sun. Um, so that's something to consider too. And I'm not, I'm not telling you now to go and like, don't say, Cody, on not create yourself podcast, I told you to go stare at the sun. What I am saying though is just allowing your eyes maybe to be a little more uh, open to the sun every so often could be a good thing, especially li- if you live in a cloudy environment. Um, but vitamin D in general helps to improve energy, um, your mood, boost your immune system response, and then in some cases they say that uh, vitamin D can have like a steroid type effect effect in your performance. Um, And that's not widely researched. It's just something that um, anecdotally a lot of people have reported. So um, vitamin D is something that I endorse. It's very evidence-based, especially dependent on where you live. Uh, I would say, though, like if you live in a really sunny environment, you might be okay without supplementing with vitamin D, but um, it doesn't help maybe to go get a test and check on that. Um, But at the end of the day, if you live in a cloudy environment, you know you're going to need to go ahead and supplement that. Alright, so moving on from there, um, the next supplement I want to talk about is creatine monohydrate. Now, creatine occurs naturally in the body from the uh, amino acids um, and it's used in our fossil creatine energy system. Um, that energy system is super important because it's responsible for like um, a lot of power output that happens within like the first 10 to 15 seconds of almost all physical activities that you do. So you know, when you think about it at that level, creatine supplement helps to uh, aid in your ability to perform strength and power-based activities. Um, so if you're in a performance-based, um, if you're in a performance-based sport, or you are really thinking about that, um, or you know you're looking to increase your strength or your muscle mass, um, if you use creatine chronically, like all the time, um, you will benefit from using that type of supplement. Now, the thing to consider, too, is like, old-school train of thought is like, you need to load it, you need to take like 10 grams. You need to take 10 grams for the first five days to build that up. Um, And that comes with the thought that like, uh, you need to build up creatine in your system before you get to see the full benefits of it. Um, You don't just take it day one and you're good to go. It's something that you have to build up with, so it comes from repetitive use, and that's how you gain the benefit from it. Um, But if you just get, if you just, if you fill your body full of creatine, just gradually over the course of time. Um, Most people need, just a a general rule of thumb, depending on your body weight, most people need between two and five grams of uh, creatine. So if you're consuming it, um, just taking your time, most people take, the scoops are almost always five grams. So if you're just taking five grams uh, around your workout times, um, you're gonna get the benefits of it uh, over time. So don't look at it as like, a lot of people old school train of thought used to be like you need to load it 10 grams a day to build it up in your system. And although that thought is good, Um, I would make the argument that maybe your body's kind of digesting some of that out. So um, just stick with the five grams per day is a good place to start with that creatine supplementing, only if you're looking to uh, increase your performance and strength or power-based activities. So from there, caffeine. (coughs) Excuse me. So caffeine. This is a topic that some of you are gonna get super upset about. because we love our pre-workouts. It's all about how raging can we get from our 67 scoops of this new nuclear warhead uh, pre-workout. But here's the deal, guys. Whatever they put in that, or whatever they say they put in that, caffeine's the workhorse, and that's what gives you the most benefits. Save yourself some cash. Like, I literally just saved you money by drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, And I know you're gonna get the same benefits from it, However, even with that, we all, we all know those people that drink 67 cups of coffee a day. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying 67, but we all know those people that take a lot of, couple, a lot of cups of coffee in every single day and um, <laughs> are still falling asleep driving down the road. Um, and that's because if you use caffeine chronically, it's gonna lose, lose its effectiveness. So um, I, would, I would give you the pointer of maybe coming on and off coffee, especially if you're trying to get a performance benefit from it. Um, but if you use it consistently, or you're drinking pre-workout consistently, it's just going to lose its lose its effectiveness. So, cycling on and off of coffee. I know some of you are thinking I'm a complete idiot, and you're like, "There's no way I'm going to stop drinking coffee." But I would have you consider that if you still find yourself tired after drinking a 32 ounce of coffee from, uh, you know, insert coffee shop, um, if you find yourself still very tired after that, after that, um, I would make the argument that maybe you could cycle off for a little bit and get some benefits. <clears throat> now. From there, the last two I'm gonna I'm gonna group together, um, just because they are almost one in the same. They they offer similar benefits, um, but they aren't. Um, but this is these are some of the supplements that have shoddy research and have some really good research too. Um, so you can you can decide and and, and um, some of them. One of these is actually in the some of the inter workout or the uh, pre workout supplements that you take. But uh, beta alanine and citrulline malate. So. I group these together because um, they both help with like endurance type stuff. So, um, beta beta alanine has been shown to help with like things that you do anaerobically. Um, So, essentially, long story short, it creates a buffer between your body and and lactic acid. Um, So, when your body's getting flooded by this lactic acid, when you're doing like a um, a very high effort type um, exercise or movement or conditioning, whatever that may be. Um, In the short term, beta-alanine can help to to slow some of that stuff down a little bit um, and slow down your body's reaction to it. Um, But that's essentially it. So any other claim that um, these supplements make about beta-alanine is just garbage and it's not true. So think beta-alanine good for anaerobic efforts and uh, benefits from that. Whereas citrulline malate essentially helps with uh, aerobic efforts, so things that um, are long in duration Um, It helps aid with that stuff. So think of like, you know, with these two, the first thing that comes to mind is functional fitness. Like sometimes you'll do things that are short burst. Um, Sometimes you'll do things that are more long duration with a lot of high reps involved. Um, So if you're in a performance-based type workout program or um, you're a competitive athlete, um, you're not gonna get a lot of benefits taking this for strength. But if uh, conditioning is something that's super important in what you do every day, then you could benefit a lot from those two supplements. Um, but again, they're, they're, they're bottom of the totem pole of things that are supported by evidence. Now, uh, a couple other supplements we can touch on a little bit um, that I have become extremely skeptical about are glutamine, BCAAs, and HMB. So glutamine used to be like the, that was like the amino acid that you need to take to get the most amount of muscle retention and the most amount of muscle protein synthesis. Um, however, uh, what come to find out if you read a lot of those research articles, um, it's one of those things that I was talking about at the beginning of the show today about how um, they are driven monetarily by the companies producing them. And now, um, branched chain amino acids, uh, on the other side of that, just a, a broad stroke of that, um, Branch chain amino acids are things that are already prevalent in the body. They're not even, um, so if you're looking at a supplement that maybe could help better, slightly better than a BCAA supplement is gonna be uh, essential amino acid. So if you absolutely want to consume an amino acid supplement, go for an essential amino acid su- supplement instead of just the branch chain. Um, now listen, um, I know there's a lot of information thrown at you and I went over a bunch of topics, uh, especially in this supplements realm. Um, if you want to read the full article and and dive more into what I talked about specifically just on the supplements alone, um, you can, I'm going to put my, uh, put my website in the show notes and then, um, maybe, maybe even attach the blog in there also. But, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this one today. Um, again, if you just keep shooting me questions, like you've been asking me, um, I can keep coming on and doing these Q and A's and I'm going to keep bringing these guests, I'm really enjoying the podcast lately, uh, and I hope you guys are too. Um, We'll talk to you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show today. Before you go, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like and love about the podcast. Tell us about guests that you want us to have on or uh, really any feedback that you have for us. We're completely open to it. Um, And then do me another favor. Go ahead and take a screenshot. Go ahead and post it on your Instagram story or your feed and tag it. I'd love to know who's listening to this and then um, see who's getting value from it. And then one last thing before you go, if you happen to be looking for remote workout programming or nutrition counseling, um, myself and my team are doing, doing some great work with people both remotely and in our uh, gym location here in Silverdale, Washington. So um, if you're interested in that, go ahead and send me an email at cody.com at CrossFit7Cities.com and we'll go ahead and get you started. Um, And again, thanks for listening today.